everyone, and thank you for listening to the 11th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How you doing today, Kyle? Cameron, quite frankly, I'm still picking myself up off the floor from last weekend. Uh, we're, pa- we're playing the greatest college football team of all time this weekend. Uh, there's still people fighting in my Twitter mentions. Uh, the Mizzou internet's in shambles, but other than that, I'm great. I need you to say you're great. Other than that, I'm great. I um, wrote down here as maybe something you could be great about. The okay. Chiefs are 5-0. and oh. They sure are. That's um, great. That is great. That's definitely great. I love me some Patrick Mahomes. Who doesn't? Yeah. But uh, as you said, it's been... Everything else. It's been a rough week. Um we unfortunately are going to recap the South Carolina game today, so strap in for that. This is the the uh, Misery Sports Podcast today. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're gonna we're gonna then preview Alabama, which that'll be interesting, uh, and then at least we get to make fun of Nebraska in our pick'em segment at the end. So that always makes me feel great. But before all of that, we will jump into the news. Um, Some exciting announcements coming up. Uh, Mizzou Madness returns for its second year. Um, Last year was really fun. We actually went to that after the homecoming game against uh, Idaho. Yeah, that was a good game. Um, Mizzou Madness free event that kind of gets hype going for the basketball team. So introduce the players and stuff. Last year, of course, it was really special because it introduced Conzo Martin to the fans in person, and we got to see the Porter brothers for the first time, so that was really cool. Um, I think we're going to make an effort to be there. If uh, anybody else, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to try to make it there if you're in Missouri, basically, because that's always a fun event and it's homecoming. Um, So we're going to try to go to that football game and then stick around for the basketball event afterwards. Uh, some more basketball news. Missouri just threw out an offer to one Kobe Brown, who is a forward. Don't I didn't really look into him too much, but still putting out offers. Um, some kind of potential replacement for yeah. you-know-who, maybe. Right. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, we've talked about how anytime you're going to get in late on these guys, it might be a struggle. So yeah. we'll, we'll see where that goes. But that is one name to keep track of. Um, A big name that you've probably already been keeping track of is Josh Christopher. And tying right in with the Mizzou Madness event and homecoming football game, he will be visiting. He will be taking his first official visit to Missouri that weekend. So I'm sure he'll be sitting courtside in Missouri Arena watching the festivities um, in the evening. So that'll be cool. Did they for sure announce that it'll be after the football game? They did. Okay. Uh, One hour... It's scheduled to begin one hour after the football game ends. And uh, some more basketball news. Uh, Five-star forward uh, Jalen Johnson trimmed his list to the top 15 schools, and Mizzou did make that list. That doesn't mean a whole lot when you're in just a top 15, but uh, it is still that Tiger logo on Instagram. So basically, we are recruiting him. Yes. We know that. (laughs) And then switching gears a little bit to football, um, Emmanuel Hall and Nate Brown showed up. Actually, scratch that. I'm going to put in a couple more uh, basketball things. Um, If you've been paying attention to college basketball already, you've seen the FBI news and the sort of scandalous actions um, from Adidas and AAU guys. And the main guy that has been um, kind of spilling the beans on this is TJ Gasnola. And one thing I just wanted to bring up in particular, you might be able to tell where I'm going with this, is a specific tweet that was talking about Gasnola and what he said when he was testifying. And it said that he met with Bill Self and his staff to talk about recruits and assured them that that his help was available to them. And Gasnola is a former Adidas representative, so... So basically, at this point, we can they've confirmed that there was money pushed from Adidas to Kansas recruits. Yeah. 
now we just need to prove that Mr. Self was was personally involved as well. Yeah. So yeah, then Gasnola comes out today and says that um, he is sure that Bill Self did not know that these players were getting paid. He had only had conversations with him trying to figure out what recruits they were after, that sort of thing. Which, which seems utterly ridiculous. Is a complete lie. And and I just wonder why would... What he's getting in return yeah, for why continuing would Gasnola, to lie. Yeah, why would he... The key word you said earlier in this whole thing with the coaches... Um, Plausible deniability. Exactly. So if they... And that seems like what Gasnola is allowing Bill Self and other coaches to have, but I see it more as purposeful ignorance. They intentionally wanted to be left out of the loop so that they could have plausible deniability. And I think from an NCAA standpoint, if you can, they make up their own rules. So if you can decide that this coach knew this was happening, but was purposefully left out of the loop, so that they couldn't be incriminated, the NCAA can say, we're not going to let that fly. We're going to punish you anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of a, uh, you know who we're recruiting, do your thing and don't tell us necessarily what's going on right. and, and we're good. I think it could be looked at, I think we've heard this thrown around before with the NCAA about like institutional control and that sort of thing. That's when they throw that at head coaches when they don't actually know exactly what's happening, but they foster an environment exactly. of cheating. So I think these coaches aren't out of the woods just because they didn't know what was happening. But I think there's still a long ways to go with that. We'll see what happens. Um, last bit of basketball news. Um, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, just released through the NBA Players Tribune, a pretty cool video. Um, we actually just watched it before we started recording this. Um, I watched it for the second time, and basically it just kind of gives a little bit of his thoughts and some details about his whole time at Missouri and being recruited or his decommitment and everything that maybe we hadn't quite seen before or heard exactly the way he said it. So I thought that was kind of cool for him to get his perspective out there on everything. And it wasn't really much new information, but we got to hear his side of it that we hadn't really heard directly from him before. Yeah. He talked about kind of growing up and being a, you know, playing at Mizzou and, and practicing and everything like that and how Mizzou meant so much to him. And I, I truly believe that the things he said in that video about wanting to revive Mizzou and, you know, hear the crowd cheering and all that stuff like that. I, I think he really meant all that and that it, it hurt him that he wasn't able to, to play. Yeah. And those clips where he was talking about like leading up to that very first game against Iowa state. I mean, that all makes sense because we saw him at Mizzou madness not too long before that. And, he looked fine. He was jumping, had that explosiveness, won the dunk contest with like a reverse between the legs dunk. So it makes sense that, you know, he would try to go in that first game, even though he knew he probably shouldn't, and then mm -hmm. get out there and realize this is just not going to work. Yeah, and uh, I hate to have this, this continual attitude of um, falling victim to these strange occurrences as a Mizzou <laughs> fan, but... Uh, there was like a line in that video that they, they clipped some announcer saying, you know, like it was just wasn't supposed to be for Mizzou. Yeah, it wasn't and, meant to be for Mizzou. It's just like, yeah. wow, that sums up my fandom yeah. of, uh, as, a, as a Mizzou fan. But and um, if I was betting money, I would say that they probably clipped that out of like the end of a game or something that Mizzou <laughs> probably just something completely lost. Unrelated. And then, but it is a perfect, it, it fits in yes, that video. It's a perfect though. clip to go right there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a touching video. Um, still wish all the best for for Michael Porter Jr. in the NBA. Still think that he's probably the most talented player in the draft. Um, well, when you look, yeah, I, I agree with you. But when I look at that video and it just paints the picture in like six minutes from when he decommits, well, from before that, all the way to the NBA draft is where the video ends. I'm thinking, wow, I, it's actually kind of surprising that he actually was drafted 14th. Like mm -hmm. that's still a really high draft pick in the NBA. Some huge question marks, certainly. Yeah, about after a guy that basically didn't play mm -hmm. his in college and looked bad when he did. Right. And there's all those question marks about his, his toughness and his um, ability to function as a teammate and, right. you know, all this stuff. And so, yeah, I, 
I hope that he got himself into a good situation in Denver. I you know, really got some good young like core did. around him. Yeah. So uh, hopefully he's good to go for he's going to play this year, correct? I don't know that we know for sure. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it's still just like a bizarre thing with with Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Just so many unknowns all the time with him. Yeah, um, that whole saga will always be one of the strangest things in Mizzou history. Just <laughs> the way that went. So yeah, and it's it's just weird to think that Jonte has the. I don't think it'll happen, but he's got the potential to be drafted higher than than Michael Porter right. Jr. And it's it's weird to think about that. If you if I would have told you that, you know, this time last year, you would have been like, "You're crazy," right? And just you cannot make up the things that that happened in the last year with with the Porter family. No. Well, now we will uh, jump over to some football news. Um, just a couple things: Emmanuel Hall and Nate Brown showed up on the depth chart again. So they seem like they're going to suit up and play against Alabama. I don't know. I would only suit them up and play them and put them on the depth chart if they're 100%. So I would assume that's the way it is. If they are 100%, why why is Hall not listed at the number one? Or he's like listed as co-starter, I think, which seems kind of strange. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I, I posed this question on Twitter and got a – a really nice response from a lot of different people. Um, if you're Barry Odom, do you, you know, knowing that Hall and, and Brown may not be a hundred percent, do you play him in this game, go for the home run and, you know, pull out all the stops and just see what happens? Or do you kind of wave the white flag and, and say, I'm going to keep these guys healthy for the rest of the year and just kind of know that we probably won't win this game regardless of who we got out there. And I agree. I mean, if they're a hundred percent, you you got to put them out there, yeah. Because at what point? I mean, if, if that's what you're doing, if you're if, you, if you're pulling your best players to avoid, you know, injury or re-injury, at what point do you just start pulling Drew Locke and Albert O. Terry and, Beckner Jr. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like well, if they're 100, you play them. Yeah. Um. If, but I, I yeah I kind of agree with somebody that I saw in the replies to that poll, and if they're not 100, percent you just don't play them. I think mm-hmm. you have an easy out for not playing a guy I who's, so. yeah. who's not at 100%. He just he needs more rest. Why send him out there against Alabama, a team that's probably going to beat you anyway, Right. if they played at 100%. So if they're not, it's an easy out. Just sit them, let them rest, and then get them back at 100% for the stretch where Mizzou has many, many winnable games. Exactly. And then last bit of news, um, Kelly Bryant, the transfer quarterback from Clemson, um, mentioned Mizzou as a team he's kind of interested in and might take a visit to. He's already got visits set up with North Carolina and Arkansas, so we'll see if anything comes to fruition there. Yeah, he's got a couple connections with those schools. I, he's from one of the Carolinas. I can't remember which one, but he's from that area. So North Carolina may have a jump on us there, and he's got a connection to Chad Morris at Arkansas. So um, those might be difficult barriers to overcome, but you never know what can happen if we get him on, on campus. Yep. All right, so now we will take our minds back to a terrible day in which South Carolina beat Missouri at football. It started really well with Missouri forcing a three and out and then just marching down the field on South Carolina. Um, It had an almost touchdown pass to Jalen Knox, a pass that went for 44 yards. I think it was actually called a touchdown on the field, but then they... Uh, change that and put him down at the one yard line and then uh, Larry Roundtree punched it in for the touchdown and Missouri was up 7-0 so it was a good start yeah so at this point I'm thinking you know I'm jumping conclusions like already like really fast but I'm thinking okay so South Carolina's defense is very beatable uh, Jalen Knox is a wonderful replacement for a not 100% Emmanuel Hall mm-hmm. uh, South Carolina's backup quarterback can't do anything and we're all we're all good at this point. It's just it's uh, smooth sailing at this point in the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I texted. We talked about how uh, I said on the podcast a 100% Jalen Knox is better than an 80% Emmanuel Hall, and I texted you those exact w- words at that time. At that point, I probably would have agreed with you. Yeah. So then the first kind of strange thing happens. Uh, South Carolina is able to take over at the Mizzou 37-yard line thanks to what was – later deemed a miscommunication between Tucker McCann and the coaching staff 
they wanted a pooch kick and he attempted an onside kick. He was the only one in the stadium that knew he was going to attempt an onside kick. So it didn't work very well. And South Carolina got it at the 37 and then they scored a touchdown in three plays. I'm already like getting worked up over here. I'm like, I'm like already like shaking my head and like disappointment. Like the whole game, what's going on with the kickoffs? Like, okay. can Tucker McCann not kick it to the freaking like through the end zone? Like, can he not kick the ball to the end zone? Because we're doing these weird little pooch kicks, giving it to him on the thirty-five. Might as well just kick it out of bounds. Yeah, I don't. I really don't understand that. I I understand the concept of a pooch kick on a kickoff. I don't understand it in this situation. They did it every time. They yeah. literally did it every kickoff, and it goes to some random guy who just you know returns it for a couple of yards or, or fair catches it at the thirty yard line or better for yeah. them. So I, yeah, why I take got, why take any chance on anything strange happening? Just kick it out the back of the end zone. I don't know. So then the teams trade punts uh, before Mizzou scored again, and that drive included an 18-yard pass to Kendall Blanton and a really nice 25-yard run by Tyler Beatty. Um, Crockett punched it in from the one-yard line, and Mizzou went up 14-7. And keep in mind, this has all happened really quickly because there's still over four minutes left in the first quarter. And I'm, I think I at that point is when I texted something like Mizzou is going to score 60 points. <laughs> yeah, you, you texted me something, some like uh, hyperbole of a statement like that. Because of and, the pace they were and on. And again, I was like, probably agree. Yeah. Because, Cro- I mean, Crockett looks really good. I love Beatty. I'm like a huge Tyler Beatty fan. He just like looks so crisp and like polished out there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He doesn't look like a true freshman. No, not at all. So, yeah, that was a great drive. They go up 14-7. And then uh, South Carolina goes three and out again. And except for the um, messed up kickoff where they got at the 37, Mizzou's defense has now forced a punt on every South Carolina drive. So the defense is doing its part. And the offense so far has been doing pretty well. Um Then Mizzou's offense moves the ball really well, and then after a first and 10 at the South Carolina 12, they are forced to kick a field goal. And that one was probably the most understandable field goal that they kicked all game because um, you're still first and 10 at the 12-yard line. You should be coming away with a touchdown, but we'll see later (laughs) as the game goes on that touchdowns in the red zone were no guarantee in this one whatsoever. So um, South Carolina then answers with a touchdown, and this is where we start to see South Carolina's quarterback get racking up some passing yards. And at this point, it's 17-14 Mizzou, and I'm starting to think maybe we're looking at a game like I said, this like 35-34 shootout type of game if Missouri's defense can't really slow down their passing game. And the fact that Missouri jumped out to an early lead naturally South Carolina is going to be passing the ball quite a bit to try to catch up. So after a Mizzou punt, uh, South Carolina actually turned it over on downs, and then uh, Missouri drives the ball and has it uh, third and seven from the South Carolina 14 when Jonathan Johnson drops an easy touchdown in the end zone, and Missouri kicks a field goal to go up 20 to 14. So... Yeah, that was disappointing when it happened, but it's, like, excruciating to know. Yeah. Like, if he just catches that ball, we probably win. Yeah. There's so many moments in this game. That's, like, the theme of this game is uh, it's all, it's, if that one little thing wouldn't have happened. It's the theme of three games. It is yeah, So far, right. it is the theme of the season. You're right. With Purdue, Georgia, and now the South Carolina game. That Just death by paper cut of this, like, tiny, small discipline yeah. issues. So it is really unfortunate that we're seeing that over and over again. It's like they're doing. It's like they're doing these uh, these lack of discipline things that aren't penalties. Like last year, we we were like, oh, this is an undisciplined team because they committed so many penalties. And right. this year, they've actually cracked down on the penalties. They're doing it's, really well, right. but now they're just doing other dumb stuff that I we could have never imagined. Yeah, just like mental lapses, like you said, that aren't penalties, but just like just. But some of it is penalties. Some of, some of them but penalties. Just still. this lack of focus that we see in crucial moments. And they may not be that crucial at the time, but they end up being very crucial. So Missouri goes up 20-14. to 14. South Carolina punts yet again after three and out, and Missouri again settles for a field goal. 
after a 15-play, 82-yard drive. And that was the one that included a really tricky catch from Samson Bailey. That was when he, so awesome. Yeah, released into the secondary. I was like, man, I, that's a guy that this is kind of why I love recruiting is because I, I know these guys and I've followed them even, you know, since the beginning of some of the recruitments. And I remember Samson Bailey coming in as like this skinny little athletic lineman who was going to probably not play for a long time because he was just so small and mm-hmm. He, I really hadn't heard about him in a while. He's kind of like a backup lineman, and then all of a sudden he right. like changes numbers and lines up as a tight end. He he looked good like when he caught the ball, yeah. and um, I mean he uh, might have had a more productive day than Alberto. <laughs> right. <laughs> so after that big play, that uh, Missouri actually had the ball on the South Carolina three yard line. And um, they threw the ball on first and third down. Those were both incomplete passes. So they settled for another field goal. And I think this is the point where I settled or I texted settling for a field goal sucks because yes, you're just asking for trouble. You're just it reminded me of Mizzou games of the past Chiefs games of the last couple years where you just know this is going to come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're having to settle for field goals over and over again. Oh yeah. And I think, I don't even think this is the moment where I tweeted this during the game, but at some point I tweeted run the freaking ball or something yeah. along those lines. And, uh, that, that tweet would apply to a lot of different situations in this game. And this being one of them, it just seemed like the run game was great in this mm-hmm. game. And I don't know why they were so married to throwing the ball in the red zone because it did not work out right. at all. Yeah. Yeah, so that was now the third time that Missouri had settled for a field goal after being in the red zone, and um, that was shortly before halftime. So going into half, Missouri is up uh, twenty-three to fourteen, and let's say they get Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan Johnson catches the ball in the end zone, and then they convert a touchdown when they have it on the three-yard line. If they if those field goals turn into touchdowns, you're looking at thirty-one fourteen. It's massive, and you're putting this game away going into the second half. Just a difference of a couple feet yeah, and just holding on to an easy catch. Right. So, but still, 23-14, it's still looking like this is going to end up a Mizzou win. So even with all those things. Yeah, still had the lead. Yeah. Still felt okay. Yeah, still a two-possession lead. Nothing mind-blowing had happened yet. Right. <laughs> so um, starting the second half, Mizzou punts and then South Carolina scored on a 12-play, 66-yard drive. And then that trimmed the lead to just two points, 23-21 Missouri. And then Missouri had one of the worst drives I've ever seen (laughs) because after a Demaria Crockett 70-yard touchdown gets called out of bounds at the South Carolina 11, the following things happen. Alberto is called for offsides. Crockett is flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct. And an offensive lineman jumps offsides, jumps, uh, sorry, not offsides, but uh, <laughs> false start, false start uh, to go from a first and 10 at the 11-yard line to third and 34 from the 35-yard line. So Missouri has to punt. <laughs> go from first and 10 at the 11 to punting. And it doesn't end there. The snap on the punt is fumbled, and South Carolina takes over at their own 46-yard line. So let's let's regurgitate that a little bit. That's not the right word, regurgitate. Let's review. Let's talk about that a little bit. (laughs) Break it down. Let's, uh, yes, that's a a good one. Uh, Okay, so Crockett just breaks this wonderful run. It's I was like, so pumped. Oh my god, it's 2016 all over again. Crockett, he's back. I know I was like standing up like yep. fist pumping in yep. my freaking living room. And then the just the most questionable like call of all time happens and you guys I'm sure have lost sleep at night over this as I have like where he steps out of bounds and maybe he was out of bounds. Maybe. Maybe. Just That's maybe. That's the best you can say is maybe. maybe. That is the absolute best you could possibly get is maybe he stepped out of bounds. Because on screenshots, still motion, still photography of his foot at the at the line. You can argue that you can see green between it. I know. You can see maybe a line of pixels of green all the way down his shoe. 
So, like, of course, of course they, they flip it. It's like the one time I've seen them, like, abandon the uh, the uh, the I argument of the inexcusable. Right, or indisputable. Whatever, the indisputable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that so, word. So, I, I could not believe that they overturned that. I mean, and honestly, the replays that we were getting at the time were, were showing it actually at a different yard line that wasn't even close. So they were talking about like kind of a toe drag almost at the 11 yard line. And the replays we kept seeing were a, a full step at the six yard line. So I think it was more confusing watching it live that they overturned it. But even when they put it at the 11 and you see why they put it at the 11 after the fact, it was not a good call. No. I, don't, I don't see how you can overturn that. I don't either. And, and I, I think, I don't know. I try to be objective in these situations and say, if I was the other team, would I expect that call? And if I was a South Carolina fan, there's no way I'm expecting that to be overturned. Mm -mm. No, I, I, I try to be as unbiased as possible in these situations, like you said, and there's just, there's no way you can expect to get that call mm -mm. as if you're South Carolina. No. So that play just destroys Missouri. Like, I mean, psychologically, they just implode like worse than I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. Of, of, like anything sports related <laughs> or non sports related. That was, I mean, they just, they lost like it. Uh, the whole game ended right yeah. there. It's like they literally, I, I think I remember thinking like this, the game is over. And um, I'm just sitting on my couch, just like at an absolute loss. I don't even know what to do at this point. My mind is, my head has exploded and I'm really, really not happy. Yeah, so those three, those three flags. I don't know. I mean, just like, it's that is. I I don't know. It was. Just, I I could not even think of words to describe that situation, and it's like blooper material if you're anybody else other than a Mizzou fan. Yeah, and it kind of just like completely sapped my excitement. That like roller coaster of just being so excited that you just ran for seventy yards for a touchdown, and then the, what just happened? All and then when. Well, well, South Carolina takes over. It's just like... Well, first, I'm like, we're not going to score a touchdown here. Right. We might have to settle for a field goal. Right. Like, for this the is the most time. disappointing yeah. thing ever. Yeah. And uh, then we went backwards like eight times, and yeah, you know the rest. So, yeah, yeah that... That was awful. So, Missouri's defense still continues to play fairly well because they hold South Carolina to a field goal after getting to start near midfield. But South Carolina takes the lead at that point, 24-23. And at some point, is like a hurricane shows up. That is true. I, I'm not sure exactly when that started, but... Missouri has been playing in a torrential downpour for a, a little bit now. And it seems like the harder it rains, the worse Missouri plays. Yes. And South Carolina apparently was energized by the rain. <laughs> they must really enjoy it because they started playing really well. I just want to know... Uh, how did we not see this coming? Like, did anybody know this was supposed to like be the like hurricane, like the next hurricane or whatever? They, there was literally like puddles everywhere <clears throat> after it finally stopped raining. There was puddles on the ground everywhere. But uh, so let's talk about Missouri's defense for a sec because at this point they hold them to a field goal. South Carolina has scored twenty three points, but you have a, a bad snap on a punt. Not necessarily a bad snap, but he can't catch it on the punt given the ball at the, basically the 50-yard line, and then the miscommunication on the kickoff um, turning into a touchdown in the first quarter. So that's 10 points right there, basically handed to South Carolina. So the defense, the, the South Carolina has driven on the defense for 13 points so far. So I think so far it, you can't ask for much more than that from Missouri's defense. Yeah, we were just gifting them points. Yeah. And then we give them the biggest Christmas gift in the history of football because on the next Mizzou drive, Drew Locke throws one of the worst pick sixes I've ever seen. It was a completely botched um, running back screen pass. I don't know what it's like to be a quarterback <laughs> at any level, uh, especially at the college level or the NFL level. But typically, you don't throw the ball at someone that isn't there. And... Uh, that seemed to be kind of what happened. I I don't even know. I I've kind of just like 
couldn't bear to watch like after one I, yeah like i didn't seen want that i once. didn't watch the replay so maybe it's possible that Beatty was like somewhere in the area of the throw but it looked like it was just thrown to literally no one and it doesn't normally like turn out well no when you throw it like the like a lame duck pass yeah. to a defender just kind of floated in the air and then he just <laughs> i mean it was clear from the moment he let go of the ball what was about to happen oh yeah so talk about gifts um that was seven points that the mizzou defense wasn't even on the field for so after that missouri again drives all the way down to the south carolina two yard line this is in the torrential downpour and um, larry roundtree had a one of the a classic rainy slash snowy game runs where he ran for 41 yards and they just couldn't tackle him because of the conditions. So that was really fun to see. Um, but Missouri yet again settled for a field goal and they missed it this time because that's going to happen when you, we know Tucker McCann has actually played well this season, but he's not automatic by any means. Mm-hmm. And in these conditions, if you try six field goals you're not going to make every single one of them right so as someone who's not a uh, professional football scout or analyst or anything it seems to me like uh, as far as kickers go uh tucker mccann has like a super high ceiling uh, Mm -hmm. like just he can kick anything ceiling shortly yes and but maybe kind of a low floor also where he's maybe a little inconsistent but for the most part, he was like the hero of this game. He was the only reason we were like even had a chance to win. Right. And he may not have even been able to see the uprights for all we know. It was raining so hard when he misses this this yeah. field goal. But I mean, at the same time, man, we really needed that. One of the, another one of those things where if we make this field goal, we might just win. But just score a touchdown. You're at the two yard also line. Also that. Just score a touchdown. Yeah. So anyway, I I don't I can't say I honestly remember. Uh, what we did play-wise uh, in the red zone at that point in the game, but that may have been where I, I tweeted just to run the freaking ball. I, yeah, I don't have, I, think I didn't did write that. down specifically what happened there, but I cannot imagine that they ran the ball three times there. No, we didn't. And I think, actually, I can't remember them throwing the ball to Albert O on a fade. And in I the think that's the end zone. What, I, I, remember, I believe that's what prompted yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the third down play of that drive, maybe, Most likely. or something. I don't know. That that sounds right because I know it was incredibly wet when he basically he couldn't jump basically because he like jumped out of a puddle, so he looked like he was kind of in a fog all yeah. game. I hope that that was just a weird game for him. Definitely. Um, so after the missed field goal, South Carolina punts again, and um, Missouri actually drives down the field and they just they did just run the ball on that possession and uh, Larry Roundtree got in the end zone and that made it 31 to 29 South Carolina because um, Missouri went for two and failed so then South Carolina um, on their next drive it stalled and they actually attempted one of the worst fake punts I've ever seen (laughs) because this punter needed to run quite a ways and he didn't even get close and he was actually completely leveled by a Mizzou defender and fumbled the ball. Oh my God. That was so funny. And honestly, when they showed that replay, they were like talking, the announcer were talking about possibly a targeting penalty. I don't know how the Missouri defender didn't no. get a targeting penalty there. Oh, really? Really? The, the second defender they, they, that came okay. in. I oh, thought, yeah, you're right. I thought, geez, I think it, he actually got away with one there. Yeah. The punter like leaned in though. Like he was going to truck like the Ronald first Perkins defender. or whoever yeah, it was. That did not go well at all. That was so funny. Yeah, that was funny. If, if there was anything we could laugh about in these disastrous times, yeah. it, it was something like that. Yeah. So after the fake punt uh, fumble fiasco for South Carolina, Missouri uh, took over and they only they took over at the South Carolina 32-yard line, only moved the ball six yards, and they settled for another field goal. This one was a make, and it gave Missouri the lead 32-31. And then South Carolina answered with a field goal of their own, so it was 34-32. And then Drew Locke threw his second interception of the game, and that was pretty depressing. Can you remind me of what that play looked like? I can't. I honestly can't say I remember even that happening. Um, I want to say... I was so like out of it at this point. I think I was so <laughs> angry that I was like delusional or something. Yeah, I actually don't <laughs> remember the specifics of his second interception. I'm sure I'll remember it. This was this was late, getting pretty late oh. in the game, and it was a pretty big moment. 
I don't know. I don't know. We'll think of it. <laughs> this, this, whole, this whole fourth quarter with the torrential down. The third, the quarter, third quarter was the what, worst quarter of football I've ever watched. Yeah, Missouri was outscored 17 nothing, and it all just kind of blended together into a mess of awfulness. But uh, even at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was just like more of this like punt, field goal, like turnovers, and just it all blended together into just a mess of awful looking football after a first half that looked really good team. Mm -hmm. The teams were executing fairly well, other than having to settle for field goals. It was nothing crazy. And the second half was just the opposite. And I blame some of that to the weather. It was just like insane with all the like headset issues. Mizzou was having and just like literally everything that could possibly go wrong. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. So, um, South Carolina's next possession, they, um, we, Missouri actually blocked the punt, which was a really nice play that I, you said earlier that you didn't have much of a reaction to. No, I was, it was the like same. The I was most like, exciting play the whole year, and I just sat there like emotionless yeah. because I just knew that. Like who cares? I was just like I know. I was just like I'm so angry. I can't even like get happy about yes. this right now. So after Missouri took over, they uh, ran a few plays, and then we had a weather delay. So after the torrential downpour had stopped, apparently there was lightning close enough in the area. Like, oh, now that it stopped raining, now we're going to delay the game. Yeah, now we're going to. Because of weather. Yeah. Why couldn't they have delayed the game for an hour? I don't know. But then, of course, like after like 30 or 40 minutes of like anxious, like waiting, uh, then they like delayed it even longer because we were about to like potentially go down and, uh, you know, have a game winning drive. It was Right. right before our last drive of the game. And. Just like pure like anxiety, yep. like waiting for what was going to happen, and, and then you press pause for an hour. Yeah, pretty I much. literally took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I literally fell asleep on the couch. You're exhausted from <laughs> like all this anger. <laughs> yes. So um, the delay happens. Missouri comes back out. Of course, the offense can't do anything at that point. I mean, not that they had any momentum, but it was all gone and. They, the drive stalls, and they bring Tucker McCann out to attempt a 57-yard field goal. I thought Barry Odom was out of his effing mind <laughs> when he starts bringing out the field goal team for 57-yarder. I was like, what? We just surrendered. Yep. Like, it's over. But he makes it. He makes a 57-yard field goal. And even though that was a spectacular kick... He could have made it... It might have been good from 65. Yeah. But... I didn't think it was, I don't know. When that went through, I was surprised. And then I thought, well, we'll see. Too much time. Yeah, I see. I was excited for like two seconds. Yep. Because uh, Missouri's defense, I mean, they played well, I would say, all game. But people will probably disagree with me on that. But I think in in the situation that the defense was put in over and over again, I, I legitimately think they played well. South Carolina could not run the ball. They averaged 2.7 yards per attempt on the ground, and they ran the ball 47 times. Missouri, on the flip side, ran the ball 46 times and averaged 6.2 yards per carry. I agree with you that outside of these just bizarre plays, Mizzou looked like the better team for like 90% 100%. of the time. Yeah, And this is, this is a flashback to last year against South Carolina when yeah, Missouri exactly. outgained them. They, Missouri outgained him this time. Drew Locke did not look good. No, he didn't. Um, if you switch the lines of the two quarterbacks. We win by eight touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> because the South Carolina was converting, and they had three touchdown passes. Of course, Missouri had three rushing touchdowns, so that evened out. But it's the interceptions that killed us. And then on this drive, um, just need one stop. And Missouri's defense can't do it. Mm-hmm. They have them uh, third down twice. Almost get a pick from Demarcus AC. Yep. He, but he can't hold on to it. Uh, it looks like Mizzou's basically playing a defense not to lose, right? Which you know puts them in field goal position. Like it, it basically just looks like they're trying to prevent a touchdown when I think they should have been probably playing a little more aggressively. Yeah. And then they gave up the huge like twenty plus yard pass to the wide open tight end, which yeah. I knew it was over at that point. Yes. Was this the drive where they brought out the three defensive tackles down as the only linemen? Uh, I, I can't d- I remember when it was, but there was a. It probably there was, was a really terrible um, statistically 
statistical wise, the a terrible formation that Missouri brought out. And I think it was in that last drive where they had Palmore, um, Beckner Jr. and Jordan Elliott as the only down lineman. Just surrendering a pass rush pretty much. Yeah. And I know some fans have said things like, why don't you put Beckner on the end and let him rush? He is a absolute monster at stopping the run. That's not his, he doesn't come off the end to disrupt the pass. So he'll sometimes get to the quarterback up the middle, but mm-hmm. not around the edge. Right. So I don't know. That's, that's an interesting decision. I would not be surprised if we never see that the rest of the, the rest of the season. I don't know why you would kind of experiment like that with the game on the line, but nonetheless, they couldn't get the stops on third down and, um, South Carolina kicked a field goal with two seconds left to win the game. The final score was 37 to 35. And I feel like I needed this. I needed to go through this again to (laughs) get it. Yes. To fully release it from my system. Yeah. It's, uh, it was just utterly disappointing in like every way possible. Um, Drew Locke, once again, um, not good against any decent opponent with a pulse whatsoever. Uh, the run game, which started off slow this year, is now our strength, mm-hmm. which we kind of thought might happen. The offensive but, line still looks really good. Mm-hmm. The defense is probably serviceable yeah. if if we if we can avoid these just horrendous mistakes. But well, we were just, talking about those two touchdowns that ended up being field goals in the first half. You're talking about a halftime score of 31 points for Missouri. South Carolina only scored 37. And you're right, Drew Locke looked awful in this game for much of the game, especially in the second half. Uh, definitely J.J. didn't help him out with dropping right. a touchdown. And I'd like to see what it, ha- what, what it looks like without the rain, honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think we win. Yeah. If it, if it never rains, I think we win. And, yeah, the Jalen Knox 44-whatever-yard uh, catch is pretty much a Drew Locke touchdown, but statistically isn't ruled a touchdown. Right. So, I don't know. It's... It's still a question mark what's going on with the Drew Locke it's in, in competitive games. Uh, he just seems like he's gotten out-dueled by the other team's quarterback in like every game we play. I don't know if he's putting too much on himself because he thinks you know he has to carry the team to victories in these competitive matchups. But Yeah, it just seems like when the game's on the line, uh, I don't have any faith in in him to uh, to make some kind of clutch play. No, and this was a, this was a game that... You just have to win it. I mean, to let's set aside winning the East because that's a that would be a really strange turn of events that would see Missouri winning the East. Finishing second in the East was still on the table before this game. Now you go into Tuscaloosa, most likely being zero and three in conference. Yep. This season's all going to be about how Missouri responds right. to uh, this three-game losing streak. And <laughs> yeah. we knew coming into the year that this very well could possibly be the storyline is how will Missouri respond to losing three games in the middle of the season and can they come out of the stretch one and two, but they're not. So right. um, definitely yeah, nobody, a disappointing stretch. I didn't think before the game started well I you know I predicted that I thought Missouri would beat this team and I think kind of what we were both thinking last week in our predictions was what it looked like was going to happen if not a bigger win for Missouri in the first half and I don't know it's just I I still think that if Mizzou and South Carolina play 10 times in you know reasonable conditions Mizzou probably wins seven times yeah I really think that I they're this, I think the same thing from considerably last year especially with South Carolina's backup quarterback in right. I think they win seven or eight times out of ten but uh that's not what happened so yeah so South Carolina is now three and two overall two and two in conference which is just miles better than oh and two and at this point you're having to count on victories against teams you should beat just to get to seven wins and gonna need and kentucky and florida look much better than we originally thought well at the beginning of the season i always liked florida you did but (laughs) i still think that they're maybe better than even you thought they might be and obviously kentucky's way better than either one of us thought yeah 
So those both of those games are now probably losses. Yeah, so. and this, honestly, the South Carolina game, one of the things that frustrate me most about it is I called South Carolina not being so great this whole season. Well, I, I mean, I'd probably still agree with you. <laughs> yeah, and but Missouri still couldn't beat them. Exactly. I mean, this is not a South Carolina team that's going to finish second in the East. People were picking them second in the East. I said, no, Florida has a much better shot of being second in the East. And Missouri still didn't beat them. So. Now Florida's got a chance to win the East yeah. if if they can beat Georgia. Right. I mean, I don't think they will, but I mean, they have a legitimate shot at yeah. winning the SEC East. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else you need to get off your chest from that game? I think no. And also, actually, I should mention that Kentucky, I suppose, has a shot at it well as well because they True. beat Florida. So Kentucky yeah. might be even in a better position than right. Florida. So you're looking at Missouri and South Carolina now, probably fighting for fourth place in the East. Yeah. Yeah, the only other teams without a conference win in the East are Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And the fact that Missouri is grouped with those teams instead of these other teams is just really disappointing at this point. And and we knew we knew they probably wouldn't beat Georgia, but for this game to be for how winnable we said the Georgia game was coming off of that, this was infinitely more winnable. Yeah, this was excruciating. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. So just to recap, um, Drew Locke finished with only 204 yards, no touchdowns and two interceptions on 36 attempts. So obviously one of his worst games in a long time. But uh, I think think I've got it all off my chest. I think I'm ready to move on mentally. Put it behind me. Okay. Let's move on to Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Alabama is 6-0. They are 3-0 and in the SEC, and so far, their closest game was against Texas A&M, and honestly, it wasn't even that close. They won that game 45-23, to and they have conference wins now over um, Ole Miss on the road, and then at home against Texas A&M, and then on the road against Arkansas when they did give up 31 points and Nick Saban, uh, I think it's probably inspiring his defense to play much better than they did against Arkansas. Cause he did not like seeing that 31 number come up last week. Yeah. I, this preview doesn't need to take very long. I mean, we, we know what Alabama is. They're an absolute machine. It's not fair. They have a, they actually have a quarterback now. So right. uh, they used to just beat you by like suffocating you with their defense and, and stuff. the run game yeah. and run game. But now they like have all of those things still and like a really good quarterback. So um, and Mizzou doesn't really put much pressure on the quarterback, and so Tua is just going to have every opportunity to throw and do whatever he wants. And he hasn't played in the fourth quarter this entire season, and I don't think he does against Mizzou either. No. Um, yeah, he's he's been incredible. Um, he's the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy this year. Um, he's got almost fifteen hundred yards on seventy-five percent completion percentage, eighteen touchdowns, and has not been picked off yet. Just insane. Yeah, and like you said, has not played in the fourth quarter, which is crazy that they've played three conference games and he has yet to play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, like this this literally might be the least winnable football game I've ever watched like <laughs> as a Mizzou fan. Like it, the least winnable game for Mizzou yeah. that I could possibly think of. Like on the road against just I mean maybe one of the better Alabama teams we've seen yeah. in this historic run of Alabama teams. Right. Yeah, and if you are hearing those numbers and you think that they're just you know throwing the ball everywhere and um, they have a they they do have a dynamic passing attack but they also have two running backs that are averaging um, combined they're averaging right at seven yards per carry yeah and they're Najee Harris and Damian Harris Najee with 382 yards on the season and Damian Harris with 361 and they're not just doing that against Arkansas State and Louisiana Lafayette I mean, their other their non other non conference win was against Louisville, who is obviously not as good as they have been. But they they essentially have an NFL caliber player at almost every position on the field. So um, yeah, this is this if you if you are going into this game as a Mizzou fan, thinking that there is any inkling of possibility that Mizzou could probably even be competitive in this game, and then I wish you the best and Godspeed. So what are what is something we can look at 
anything, Drew Locke looks decent. I want to see Drew Locke show that he can play against a tough defense, and this would probably qualify as a uh, tough de- tough defense. Yeah. So if if Drew Locke can, I don't know, throw a couple touchdowns, I, I want to see Albert O maybe look like he's um, like awake. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. the fact that Arkansas did score 31 points. I mean, now, since then, Saban, like I said, has really come down hard on the defense, saying that that was unacceptable. Yeah, but, I think those are mostly garbage time points. Right, and they 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 were had a they actually had an opportunity to cut it to a one score game. I believe they were trying to make it 21-28 or 14-21. Yeah, early in the game. Yeah, yeah. when they uh, had that fumble right at the goal line. So. They were able to score a little bit. I don't think that that even... I mean, Arkansas obviously is a bad team, a much worse team than Missouri. Um, so if Missouri can score a little bit, look decent running the ball, I think that would be a win as far as the offense is concerned. Mm-hmm. And then I just don't think there's any hope for the defense, really. No, I don't either. I don't either. I don't, I don't think there's... I don't know. I I don't know. I, I think I'll probably watch the whole game, but... Sure. I mean, it's still cool to see Mizzou play against probably the greatest yeah, college football I honestly, coach ever. I haven't watched a full Alabama game this year, I so I kind of want to watch them just to just to admire at them. Yeah, because yeah. they're so, so good. Just yeah, don't even don't even get angry in this game. <laughs> no. Like it's just not worth it. Just admire what what Alabama is, and just I mean, kind of a broad question as far as the college football landscape goes. Um, is is this bad for college football? Like how good they are. Like, is it just destroying, like, any chance of anybody else winning? Like, does it kind of... Well, I think I think if if they... If it weren't for their the losses that they have had... I mean, you think about Ole Miss getting a few wins, a few upset wins over the years. Um, Clemson being able to beat them in the national championship. I just think, yes... No, I don't think it's good for college football, but... There's always going to, like we've said before, there's always going to be that elite few teams any given year that even has a chance at winning a national championship. Alabama is always one of those teams, but they are not always winning a national championship. They're not always going undefeated. Um, Johnny Manziel's Texas A&M, team, Texas A&M team upset them in Tuscaloosa. Of course, he won the Heisman that year and has won, had one of the best college football seasons in the history of college football. So... I don't think it's good for college football, but I don't think the fact that it's Alabama really means anything. I think whether it's Alabama, Ohio State, now Clemson with the run they've been on, these teams are going to be there. And whether it's Nebraska in the 90s or or whatever, I don't I think there's always going to be one team that's kind of riding a wave. And right now it's Alabama. I'm sure their fans get asked a lot. Um, is this becoming like boring for you? There's no way it gets boring for them. Probably not. No. I mean, because they, before Nick Saban, they were still a storied program. Right. But they weren't having the year-to-year success that they are now. So. Right. And I can't imagine that it'll last forever right. but at the rate that they're going, but... Never know, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, if the timing was a little different and like Kirby Smart was able to take over for Nick Saban at Alabama, holy cow, that would have mm-hmm. been depressing. Yeah, spread the wealth a little <laughs> I bit. I don't want to think about that. Give somebody else a, ch- a chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the Kirby Smart's a good example. Georgia, mm-hmm. they're building something to rival Alabama for years to come. So, I think, I think it, it, what Nick Saban has done at Alabama has raised the ceiling. I think. For college football teams now a lot of these programs are playing catch-up but eventually they will catch them i think he won't he can't stay on top forever with all that being said do you think missouri's gonna win this game uh i don't okay would you like to venture a guess as to the score 55 14 uh, that's sad i might be generous well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more generous. Okay. I like I think I think Alabama they're averaging 56 points per game. So you've got you have I didn't know that you have Missouri holding them under their scoring average mm. for the season. So the defense is great performance. Yeah. 
That defense looked good last week. Yeah. No, the the number I wrote down earlier maybe gave Missouri too much credit, but it was 52-24. You got to account for garbage wouldn't shock time. me. wouldn't shock yeah. me. So we'll see. All right, let's move on from that. Let's make fun of a different team. Let's make fun of Nebraska for a sec. Nice. We're going to do some SEC pick em plus Nebraska, plus will Nebraska ever win a game? So far, it's not looking good. But in our little pick em game, I was actually able to get some separation from Kyle this past week. I just picked a bunch of upsets and hoped they came through, and two of them did. So I've got 20 points now. Kyle's got 15. We both got one point each for Alabama beating Arkansas and Georgia beating Vanderbilt. And then I correctly predicted upsets against uh, with Florida beating LSU and Mississippi State beating Auburn. And uh, Kyle picked the favorites in those games. And then I had a near miss on another upset. But Texas A&M was able to beat Kentucky in overtime. So Kyle got another point there. I had six points on the week. Kyle had three so you got to redeem yourself this week. I sure do. Maybe I should start picking more upsets. Maybe. This, is, this is probably them. not the week to pick upsets. I was looking it over. Um, we'll start with, yeah, pick the upset in this one. Nebraska at Northwestern. Northwestern is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Really? Yeah. Nebraska's favored in this game? No, 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 no. Northwestern oh, no, no, no. is a three-and-a-half-point okay. favorite. I was favorite. like, oh, my God. There's no I'm, way. I'm uh, Okay, yeah, I'm picking Northwestern. <laughs> I would pick Northwestern minus the three and a half. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah they'll, they'll cover that easy. Oh, yeah. Right, Cameron? Producer Cameron, Cameron what? You, you don't think you think, you think Nebraska's going to cover that? I wouldn't put money on it. All right, there we go. <laughs> but uh, I'm hopeful. What gives you hope <laughs> in this game? <laughs> Surely they will they're go playing a, They're playing a, a Division One football team, Cameron. Oh, I'm aware. All right, he has okay. hope. I I don't want to. Ma- I I feel like I just pile it on every week, so I apologize, Cameron. Probably like secretly hate me, <laughs> like <laughs> making fun of you every week about Nebraska. No, I just root against your teams except for Mizzou. Okay. Wow. Okay. Next up, that <laughs> was a shot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Next up, we've got Florida, who is a road favorite they're favored by seven points at vanderbilt uh yeah gonna have to pick your florida gators in this one you were gonna pick upsets i thought no not that one yeah i'm picking florida that would just be that would be pick them suicide <laughs> vanderbilt's awful <laughs> I, I, I don't okay now you got a good opportunity to pick an upset because okay. tennessee is on the road against auburn and they're um only a 15 and a half point underdog oh man that's enticing uh, Auburn just got upset. They could get upset again. <laughs> they could, but they're not against Tennessee. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll roll with Auburn in that one. Yeah. I Who would win, you. Nebraska or Tennessee? Ooh, Tennessee all day. Okay, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, boring so far. We've got all the same picks. Um, next up, Georgia at LSU. This has got to be your best chance to pick an upset. Did uh, that last game last uh, last week? LSU in Florida was at Florida, correct? Um, I don't remember. I think it was. But Georgia, LSU's a good seven at and a half point favorite on the road. Mm. You pick first. I'm gonna pick LSU. Ooh, okay, I'll pick Georgia. All right. <laughs> Next up, Texas A&M. Another road favorite. They are favored by two and a half points at South Carolina, a South Carolina team we just decided was not very good. <laughs> yeah, I like A&M in this game. I think they're they're pretty decent, I think. And I think they're going to be better than two and a half points over South Carolina. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick. Unless it starts raining, then yeah. South Carolina is going to win. <laughs> Holy crap, yeah. Don't, if you're a Texas A&M fan, just pray that it doesn't rain. I'm going to pick A&M as well. And then last on my list, mm. Ole Miss at Arkansas. Ole Miss, a seven-point favorite on the road. All right, I'll get a little fancy here. I'll pick Arkansas. Oh, my gosh. That is pick em suicide. <laughs> it might be, yeah. All right, I'm picking Ole Miss. Ooh. You're probably going to get that one. 
But that's why they play the games, right, Producer Cameron? I suppose. <laughs> they don't need to play all the games, but they still do. Well, Nebraska didn't play all the games. If they would have, then they probably would have won their first game of the year. Yeah, and we wouldn't be talking about, are they going to win again? They yeah, will. I'm so glad they canceled that. I'm so glad they're, they're playing be... Bethune-Cookman. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, we might have to have a watch party for that. <laughs> a Missouri sports podcast uh, meetup. Just a, to, like, a community event. To pay Cameron back for all these horrible times that we've made fun of him and told him his team's really bad. Oh, I'd honestly rather we not <laughs> watch party. <laughs> that's fine. That's paying me back. <laughs> all right. You got anything else for the folks this week? No, I don't. Um, well, just keep your spirits up. Keep your spirits up. It's, it's going to be a tough game. We've got winnable games in the future yes and uh just please stay on the train we're going to a bowl don't worry about it stay on the on the missouri sports podcast train yes we're 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 in it with you guys um we will make it through these dark times of playing (laughs) alabama well that's all i've got so we will be here next week we're going to recap the alabama game and then we're going to look forward to the homecoming matchup against Memphis and some Mizzou madness. It's almost basketball season. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports One, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. And don't forget to subscribe if you're listening. Tell your friends if they're Mizzou fans, they want to listen. Um, give us a rating and a review. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.